Second Peter chapter one. Simeon Peter or Simon Peter, Simeon or Simon being the name that he had been given at birth, Peter being the name that Jesus gave him, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So we, uh, Peter names himself as a, both a servant and an apostle, one sent by Jesus. And he's writing to all those uh, who have obtained unto this way of Jesus. He says, if you are walking in this way, then you have obtained equal standing with ours by the righteousness of Jesus, not by your own, but by that of Jesus, who is our Savior. He sends them grace and peace and the prayer that it be multiplied in them with the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So this is going to be uh, Peter's last letter, and he's, he's, it's evident in the letter that he knows he's going to die soon. And so it was written in, you know, the mid, maybe mid to late 60s before he died around 68. And, um, you know, he, he, it's, a, it's a final encouragement and admonishment for the people as he leaves the earth. So that's a pretty powerful thing for us to take in. So what does he have to say? Verse 3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So that's a powerful sentence. He said, God through Jesus, has, has divine power, godly power that has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So everything that we need is empowered by God through Christ in us to have a life of God through the knowledge of him who called us to glory and excellence by his, by Jesus having obtained this glory in this excellent way, now giving to us this way. And so he has given us his precious and great promises. Jesus accomplished all this. He earned all this. And he is now giving us everything that he earned. Okay, what for? Well, many in the Christian world would have you believe it so that after we die, uh, we go to heaven, right? But what does Peter say? so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Okay, so that's not correct. What, we, what Peter says is we're supposed to share in the life of God. We're going to take on the life of God. That's what we talk about all the time, being transformed to be like God. That's actually the purpose that Jesus is able and doing the work of restoring God's original plan for mankind, that we become like God, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So he said, this world out there that pulls at your flesh and makes you want to serve it, we've escaped that. We have died to that. We are no longer part of that system but we are set apart for God 
through Christ to partake in his nature, to be transformed like him, so that we can be a, a people of God, sons of God in the world, representing God as kings and priests to all creation, so that he is known in creation, so that we can be fruitful, multiply, rule, and reign, just as he told Adam and Eve, just as he told Israel he wanted them to be. This is his plan, and Peter says, this is what we are to be. Five, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So he's saying, since you're called to this great and mighty calling, and you are living in faith, look to the Lord to add all these characteristics that are godly, such as virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Virtue, we, we should be righteous. We should live as, you know, as the Lord lived, righteously. Knowledge, we live in the knowledge that he has given us and is continuing to give, give us of his way, of his life. Self-control, we are continually, like Paul said, I beat myself. <laughs> like, you know, we, we're continually correcting ourselves away from the world that's constantly pulling at us towards God. Godliness, we live for him and his ways, not for the ways of the world. And we're steadfast or long-suffering or patient or enduring we keep on in this way, day after day, year after year, continually being refined into God's way. Brotherly affection, we loving each other as brothers, that we help each other build up in one body, uh, putting their needs above our own, and love that we lay down our lives for others, that we lay down our lives for God. There's no greater love than this, Jesus said that we are willing to say, God, this life that you've given me, I give it back to you. Whatever thoughts and desires I have in this world, I lay them down at your feet, and I am willing to go whichever way you want me to go. And when I see a brother in need that you would want me to lay down my life for, I lay my life down for that brother or sister. Eight, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So he said, if you're growing in this way, these things should be multiplying in you. And you know you're on the right track if, if you know, God is growing you in these things. If not, you are on the wrong path. You should be growing in the knowledge of the Lord continually. And if you're not on this path, what did you forget that Jesus died, gave up his blood to cleanse you of your sins, of your fallen life? Your priorities are all messed up if you don't realize he has given this for you. And therefore, you are called to walk in this way. Verse 10, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
He says, look, if you walk in this way, you are going to, for one, richly provided means the God who owns everything makes a way for you. Nothing will stop him. And he has every, uh, I mean, he's able to do everything. He owns everything. He can create as much gold as he wants, you know, richly provided, just, just pointing to the fact that he owns everything and he can make a way. He's all powerful. Nothing can stop him from making this way for you into his eternal kingdom, bringing eternity into your life now, the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 12, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in the body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. And, and I also, just as just backing up a little bit, just as uh, Paul told people, you know, make your election sure. Uh, this is this is Peter saying the same thing. It's quite strange to me that the most common theology is that Paul and Peter are wrong. Um, but he's saying, make sure you stay according to this calling. You make sure that you are in right standing with the Lord. So just because you're saved and if you go off track, don't do that. He's warning you against that. He's saying, make sure that you're calling the life the Lord has for you and your election, that he has selected you and appointed you to the life that you're on, that you're on that track. Make sure of it. Seek the Lord continually. And Peter says, I, I, you know, I think it's good for me to continually remind you of these things. This is the truth that's been established for you. And he says, I'm going, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to stir you up towards these things because this is the purpose of God for you. He says, look, I know the Lord's made it clear to me I'm going to die soon. So I want to make every effort before I die that you are able to recall these things. And after I'm gone, you're still able to get on track with the Lord. He will still be working when I'm gone. 16, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths made, sorry, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So he says, look, we didn't make anything up here. The power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ was made clear to us because we were there. And he's using the royal we. Obviously, others were there, but he's writing the letter and he was there. He saw this life of Christ. He saw the, the Mount of Transfiguration when eternity was made clear by God to Peter, James, and John uh, through Jesus and for Jesus there on the mountain. He sees all this. He saw all this. He says, this isn't made up. 17, for when we received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So he's, he's directly talking about this is what happened on that mountain. We call it the mountain of transfiguration just as a shorthand way to you know, remind each other what we're talking about. Um, but he says, look, I was on that mountain 
God himself made it clear. Jesus is his beloved son. I'm well pleased with him. And he also followed up with, do what he says, obey him. 19, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. He says the prophets have long talked about these things for hundreds, you know, a thousand years. Uh, the, the, God has been talking through various people all speaking to the, what these things that must come. And so this wasn't just men talking words in a book. This was God using men to speak to the world, to all creation. And we were blessed with the fact that these things were written down in a book. So we don't have to receive them all as they did directly from the Lord, but we can read them and then have the Lord highlight them and and expand them in our understanding that we can take in these truths. These truths themselves are a light shining in the darkness. Of course, Jesus himself is this word, this truth, this great light shining in the darkness. But then we take this in. We have him. We have the words of scripture. We have the Holy Spirit, which makes us this light shining in the darkness from the great light of Christ. And then we're on to chapter two. Oh, well, it just occurred to me. Yeah, the book started with um, this. You should take on this divine life. And it ends with this idea of this light shining in the darkness. The prophets had always talked about these ideas come together that Jesus was meant to be the first of many sons, as the scripture says. And so we are to be the continuation of the light of God shining in the darkness. So we must live for this. It doesn't happen just because we accept Christ. It happens because we continually seek the Lord. And Christ makes a way to the Father for us that we be lifted up and transformed for his purposes. One, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So God has made some certain truths known to Peter. Um, and he, these things in, in some small degree were already happening, but he knew he's seeing and he just referenced the prophecies of everything that is to come. And he knows there's going to be a serious problem with false teachers teaching destructive heresies, denying the master who brought them, denying Christ. And he says, look, there's swift destruction coming on this way. He says they're following their own sensuality. They're, they're following worldliness. They're following the, the desires of their flesh over the spirit. And the truth will be blasphemed. And their greed. So we see, we see uh, a heightened um, sexuality and greed. 
two things. If you look around in our world, what do you see? <laughs> Those are two very strong components of the world today. And he says they this, these characteristics will abound and they will exploit you with false words. And he says their condemnation was from long ago and they will be destroyed. But these things have to play out. For, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the ungodly, sorry, how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust, the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. He said, look, the angels rebelled and they were cast out. They are reserved for hell. They are committed to chains and gloomy darkness. They are kept until the day of judgment. So why do you think <laughs> if you turn away from him, it's going to be better for you? He said, look, let's look to the ancient world. The world turned away from God and God judged the world and only Noah was preserved. There was a great, we just talked about Noah and the flood and baptism the other day. Um, Noah was preserved. He, the world went through this baptism and Noah and his family were born again into a new life and everything else was judged. Jesus said it will be like the days of Noah in, the, in our last days. And so Peter again mentions this. Not that there will be a flood that wipes out everyone, but spiritually speaking, very similar reality. That the ungodly are flooded and that the set-apart ones for God are preserved in the ark. These things are not going to be as evident with the eye, but they will be a spiritual reality lived by everyone, whether ungodly or godly. He says, look at what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. They were completely destroyed. This is the final judgment, complete destruction. But he saved Lot and his family out of this. So again, same picture. He says, this is what's coming in the last days, that there will be this devastating judgment on the world but he will preserve a righteous people. He says the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. So he's not saying you will not have trials. He's saying the trials are used to discipline, disciple, and train you up in godliness. And God will not let you have more than you can bear, more than you can handle. Remember, Jesus said the same thing to Peter. Now Peter knows he's going to his death. And he says, this is the way of the Lord. He says, but there is punishment and judgment waiting for those who in, indulge in defiling passion and despising authority. He said, submit yourself. Don't be in rebellion as the enemy was and is. Submit yourself to the Lord. And I guess I'll end it there today and then we'll finish the book uh, tomorrow. And so with that, may the Lord bless you.